Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about what should you do with your 401k when you retire. And before you start thinking, hey, this is a very simple, basic question. I already know the answer. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode where I'm going to talk about a few key mistakes people make because they don't consider all their options when it comes to making this decision. So this episode is based on a listener question. This listener question comes from Keith. Keith says this. He says, James, let me first thank you for figuratively accompanying me on my commute to and from work over the last several months. Your podcast is excellent, and I'm not shy about recommending it whenever someone, even total strangers, express concern or question about how to successfully prepare for their golden years. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate that. He then goes on to say, I'm in the final months of preparing for retirement at the age of 60. I have a decent-sized 401k, and I am totally unsure what to do with it, if anything, upon retirement. Much of my investment is in my employer company's stock, which is currently down by 40%. Fortunately, I don't need to touch the 401k for 8 to 10 years, so that gives me just a bit of runway for recovery. What advice do you have for what to do with a 401k at this point in my journey? Well, Keith, thank you very much for that question. I think there's a couple nuances into that question that are going to give us some insight as to how both you can approach this as well as anyone who's in a similar position can approach that question of what do I do with my 401k? Most people, their 401k is their biggest asset going into retirement. So although this may seem like a simple decision on the front end, make sure that you're going through all the key considerations because doing this correctly versus doing it incorrectly could be quite substantial in terms of the long-term difference that it makes. Before we jump into the episode, I want to quickly highlight the review of the week. This comes from username GatorHu, and GatorHu says, Five-star reviews, excellent depth and explanation. I have listened to lots of financial podcasts over the years and just recently found this one. This podcast presents the best insight on preparing for retirement that I have heard, hands down. As James responds to questions, he provides the direct responses that you are looking for, while also including thought-provoking information that you didn't know you needed. I learn something new every time. Well, thank you very much for that review. That means a lot, and really, as you are all leaving reviews, I appreciate it because that's one of the best ways that people use to find new podcasts. And so if you've benefited from this and you want other people to benefit from this, one of the best things you can do is, one, tell friends, family, coworkers, or complete strangers, like Keith said he does. That's a great way. Also, leaving a review helps more people to find the show. So thank you for all of those of you who have done that. And if you haven't done so already, would ask kindly that you do so if you have a few moments to spare. With that said, let's jump into the episode for today. So when you retire, as I mentioned, it's not guaranteed, of course not, but for most people, their 401k is their largest asset going into retirement. It's the place where you could just easily put money, you maybe get an employer match, and it's just a nice way to automate savings. And over time, if you've saved your 401k long enough, that can grow to a quite substantial of an asset. Now, when you retire, the question is, what do I do with this thing? 
And the typical options are as follows. Number one, you can leave it right where it is. You can leave it in your 401k, assuming your company allows for you to do so, which in most cases, assuming your 401k is at least more than a few thousand bucks, they're going to have no problem letting you do so. Second option is do you roll this to an IRA of some sort? And then the third option is do you take a lump sum distribution? Now, in few instances, does that lump sum distribution make sense? It's taxable. Uh, if you're not 59 and a half yet, there's also 10% penalty. I'm not even going to consider that option in today's episode. That may make sense if it's a smaller 401k and you're going to use it for your first year's living expenses. But for today, I really want to compare the pros and cons and the things you should consider between leaving your money in the 401k and rolling it to an IRA where you have it in another retirement account, but one that you have more control over. So let's go through a list of things that I would want to consider before you're making a decision of what to do. Keith, whether it's you making this decision or anyone making this decision who's looking at their 401k and asking, what do I do? The first thing to look at is costs. Now, here's the hard part of 401k plans is oftentimes you're paying a cost, sometimes a significant cost, but there's no way to really see it. Things are getting better now, thankfully, but if you go back 5, 10, 15 plus years ago, 401k plans were notoriously expensive. And not only were they notoriously expensive, but those costs were hidden. You wouldn't see those costs on your statement. You wouldn't see them outlined anywhere. But when you looked at the actual plan documents, it wasn't uncommon for people to be paying two, two and a half percent or more of their account balance just for being in the 401k plan. Like I said, things are getting better. There's a lot more low cost options. There's a lot broader options out there. And a lot of companies are investing or adopting these, I should say. But that's one of the first things that you should look to consider. If you're in a 401k plan that's crazy expensive, it's almost a no-brainer, I would say, in most instances, to move that to an IRA, even if you own very similar investments, sometimes the exact same investments, just at much lower cost, just to be out of the high-cost environment of a 401k. Now, you have to consider the cost of the IRA as well. Sometimes 401ks have wonderful investment options, extremely low-cost investment options. And if your costs are your only consideration, well, sometimes keeping the 401k there could make most sense. So this shouldn't certainly be the only consideration when it comes to what you do with your 401k, but it should be a big one. And if you're in a very expensive 401k plan, and sometimes you won't even have any idea what the costs are, unless you go to the plan administrator and ask for a summary of the costs, But if you're in a very expensive one, probably makes sense to consider something else like an IRA where you have many more options and you can keep your costs much lower. The second thing I would look at after costs is control. Now, if you are just in your accumulation years and you're putting money away and you're saving, there's really not a whole lot that's going on with that 401k. You just need a place where you can put your money, have it invested well, and hopefully be receiving a match on new contributions going in. When you're retired, though, it's very different. You're not just accumulating these account balances. You're actively using these funds to live on and as part of your retirement strategy, whether that's things like withdrawals that you need to take, whether that's trades that you need to make for rebalancing or other purposes, whether that's things like conversions. Those things are typically more difficult to do in a 401k in terms of the process of requesting them and following up on them and making sure they're happening than they are in an IRA. 
So Keith, to your point and your question of, okay, if you're going to retire and you don't imagine doing anything with this 401k for several years, it maybe doesn't hurt to keep it there, assuming you have good investment options, assuming the costs are low. But if you're looking to retire and you're going to start making trades to make sure that this portfolio is implemented for your specific needs, that asset allocation might be shifting over the years based on when you collect Social Security or other income sources. Maybe you're doing Roth conversions. Maybe you want to have a flexible withdrawal strategy. That's a very different story. If that's the case, it's typically much easier. You have much more control to do that in a traditional IRA or any IRA than you would in a 401k. So ask yourself, how much control do you need to make changes to your 401k or to your retirement balance? Because you're typically going to have more of that control in an IRA. But if you don't need that, well, then maybe a 401k is not such a bad idea. The next thing I would look at is investment options. So when you have a 401k, you can't, unless you have a self-directed option, but you can't just go out and choose whatever you want to invest in. You're typically given a fund lineup, and there might be anywhere from 15 to 20 to 30 different investment options, and they're going to say, here's your options. Take your pick. Now, hopefully those are good options, but those are the only options you're going to have. If there's a great fund, or if there's a great stock, or if there's something that you want to buy, but it's not listed as an option in the 401k, you're not going to be able to invest in it. Well, within an IRA, you're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of options of things that you can choose from, which sometimes makes things a little bit harder because when we're presented too many options, it can be difficult to know where to start. But one thing you have to look at is within the 401k, what are your investment options? If the options aren't great or if the options, if there aren't options for certain asset classes that you really want to have in your portfolio, that's a downside. Those are things that you could get in an IRA and you could have complete options or complete accessibility, at least to most of the options you would need. Versus if you're in a 401k and it has wonderful investment options, low cost investment options, well, then great. You can continue to utilize those. Again, if we go back to the prior point of you not needing to make a whole lot of shifts and changes, maybe not the worst thing in the world to keep your funds there. But ask yourself, what options does my 401k have? And are there better alternatives in something like an IRA? The next thing I'd look at is organization. And I've talked to many people who have literally five, seven, 10 plus 401k plans from different companies they've worked at over the years. So as you're looking at this, even if these are wonderful companies with wonderful investment options, and let's just assume all of them have very low expenses, how do you create a plan around this? How do you coordinate between 10 different sets of different investment options in each 401k? How do you know which one of these do you pull from first in retirement? How do you track these balances in an easy way to understand how much do you have at all times, which is going to determine how much income you can look to create overall? So part of this, when you're looking at a 401k, Keith, it sounds like in your specific situation, it might be one large 401k, which is pretty easy to look at, pretty easy to manage. But if you've gone from job to job to job and you've left your 401ks at each company upon leaving, that just becomes a hassle to clean up. And I've literally asked people, how much do you think you have in your different 401ks? And they've said, you know, to be honest, I have no idea. And part of our work together was literally just gathering these statements, logging in, understanding the balances. And in some cases, they were quite surprised by the actual amount there. So how do you keep things organized and consolidated? You could actually do this in a 401k. You know, every time you leave your company, you could just roll your prior company's 401k into your new company's 401k, assuming they allow that, which most of them do. 
Or what most people will do is as they're going from company to company, they create a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, depending on what type of a 401k it was. And as they leave, that IRA kind of becomes the mass consolidator. So you work your first job for five years. You leave with a 401k, roll it over to your IRA, start your next company's 401k. Then you leave that company after a few years and go start a new one at another company. Well, the company you just left, you take that 401k, you roll it into your IRA. So even if you're not making direct contributions to this IRA, it becomes the thing that you're using to accumulate or consolidate these 401ks over the years. And whether you're using your 401k for that or your IRA for that, make sure you're doing something. Try not to have a scenario where you have multiple 401ks or multiple IRAs because it just becomes very difficult to really wrap your hands around everything going on and very difficult to plan for that for the things I mentioned before. Uh, where would you pull income from? Which particular plan first in retirement? How are you coordinating the investment options in each of these? If you are doing things like conversion, which of these 10 plans or 12 plans are you deciding to convert and why? The more things are consolidated, the more things are simplified, the easier it's going to be for you to have an effective strategy. This kind of ties into the next point, which is ease of use. You know, how easy is it to use your company's 401k plan or make changes in your company's 401k plan? And you may be thinking, well, why on earth does that matter? Well, it matters. I've, I've literally had a lot of people that I've spoken to with horrible investment options or their 401k was just sitting in cash. and They weren't doing anything with it. And when I asked why, they said, I just can't figure it out. It's a small company with this really kind of unique 401k that's very difficult to use. And the harder things are to use, the less likely we are to use them. And with your finances, you want to make sure that you're on track. You want to make sure you're making necessary adjustments. You want to make sure that you're always doing the right thing with your money. And if one of the inhibitors to that is a really clunky or difficult 401k interface, the reality is you're probably just not going to do it. So do you have easy access? Is it easy to make changes to how you're invested or how much you're putting in or how you're withdrawing funds or any rebalancing you need to do? This is something you could get in a 401k or you could get in an IRA, but whatever option you're choosing, just make sure it's it's allowing for this ease of use. And I would say in general with an IRA, this goes back to the control piece, there's a lot better ease of use. You don't have to have plan administrators sign off on things. You don't need to have third-party administrator approval on things. It's your account. You can do what you need at any point, and there tends to be easier or better ease of use with IRAs in my experience. And then lastly here, before we go into some key considerations of some particular planning points that I want to make sure you hear, the last thing I'd look at is coordination. Again, this ties into some of the other points, but it, let's assume you go into retirement and you have a pre-tax IRA and a Roth IRA and a brokerage account. Well, these shouldn't always be invested the exact same. You should have a financial plan. You should have an income strategy that should determine your withdrawal strategy, which should determine the way you're invested. And if you don't have your IRA and Roth IRA and brokerage account and other accounts all in one place, it's sometimes difficult to coordinate that. Okay, I've got my 401k over here at this institution, but I've got my Roth IRA and my brokerage account at these institutions. Unless you're doing some really careful analysis, it's easy for those strategies to become disjointed. One of the benefits of an IRA, you know, if you take your 401k, Keith, or if anyone listening takes their 401k and rolls it to an IRA where their other accounts are, it's much easier to get that coordination. You say, okay, here's how I'm invested holistically, or here's how I'm invested 
big picture. Now, how do I determine which of these assets should be held in which account? That's much easier to do when everything's in one place, as opposed to trying to coordinate different institutions, different custodians, different interfaces to see how should I be invested across the board. So those are some of the key things that I would look at when comparing, do I leave my 401k where it is, or do I move my 401k to an IRA? Typically, in my experience, moving things to an IRA tends to be the best option. Not all the time, but typically, whether it's because of access to better costs, whether it's because of more control, whether it's because of expanded investment options, whether it's because it just leads to easier consolidation, whether it's because it's just easier to use or you can better coordinate with other assets, you're typically able to get all of those in an IRA more effectively than you would in a 401k. However, before doing that, let's go through some key considerations that you need to make sure you're planning for before deciding one way or the other. The first is this. Within a 401k, not all balances are always created equal. You could have pre-tax balance, you could have Roth balance, and you could have an after-tax balance. The hard part about this is if you're in a plan that offers all these options and you somehow have money in each of these options, if you look at your 401k statement, it looks like one big balance. However, you don't want to just move that one big balance all to one kind of IRA. All of these are going to be treated differently. For example, if you have pre-tax, which most plans are pre-tax plans, traditional 401ks, if you're putting money into that, then anything you put into that when you leave your company or if you roll over your 401k, that should go to a traditional IRA if you want a tax-free, penalty-free withdrawal. If you've put anything into your Roth 401k balance, well, that should move over to a Roth IRA so that you don't pay taxes on that money as it comes out when you're withdrawing it in retirement. Here's the confusing one, though, the after-tax contributions. Depending on how you've managed it, anything that you put into an after-tax 401k, by the way, after-tax 401k in some plans, they say if you've already maxed out your employee deferral, so for 2023, that's 22500 if you're under 50, it's 30000 if you're 50 or older. If you've maxed that out, then sometimes they'll allow you to make after-tax contributions, which are different than Roth. And what it means is you can put money into your plan after tax, which means you don't get a tax deduction for that. And then when you retire, those contributions that were made to an after-tax 401k, they can roll to a Roth IRA because, again, that money's already been taxed. It's already an after-tax contribution. The challenge is any growth on those after-tax contributions, that would have to roll over to your traditional IRA. The growth on after-tax contributions, you have to pay taxes on that. So for example, let's assume that you have a 401k that has an after-tax provision to it. Well, maybe you contribute $10,000 per year to that 401k. You do this for 20 years, and let's assume that your balance is growing by 8% per year. That means that the $10,000 per year that you've contributed to the after-tax portion would grow to $458,000. Now, of that, $200,000 was the actual contribution itself. So $10,000 times 20 years of those contributions. The remaining $258,000, that was the growth on those contributions. So when you're looking at this, the $200,000 that you contributed, that could roll over to your Roth IRA, but the $258,000 of growth that would have to roll over to your traditional IRA, which effectively means it's taxable to you as you start pulling those funds out. Now, ideally, your plan has an in-plan uh, conversion feature. 
This is really important because if as you're making those after-tax contributions, you're immediately converting them to your Roth 401k, then all the growth on it happens in your Roth, so all the growth on it is tax-free. So that one little simple feature, if it's managed well, could save you thousands and thousands of dollars on taxes by making all the growth happen in a Roth IRA or Roth 401k, I should say, as opposed to an after-tax 401k contribution where all the growth is taxable. So there's lots more details on this. I have other episodes specifically dedicated to this. Make sure, of course, you talk to your CPA or financial advisor when you're making a decision like this. But the point of what I'm trying to say here is when you do roll over your 401k, make sure the right parts of your 401k go to the right IRAs. Any pre-tax contributions to your 401k, those should go to a traditional IRA. Any Roth contributions to your 401k, those should go to a Roth IRA. Any after-tax contributions to your 401k should go to your Roth 401k, a Roth IRA, but any growth on those after-tax contributions, if they weren't converted to your Roth 401k as you made them, then any growth should go to your traditional IRA. So make sure before you're processing this rollover, you have an understanding of what goes where to make sure everything stays organized for you. The next key consideration that you need to make sure you're addressing before you decide what to do with your 401k is to understand something called net unrealized depreciation. So Keith, this would apply to you. You mentioned that you've got a lot of employer stock in your 401k. Well, net unrealized depreciation, this is something that you want to consider if you have company stock in your 401k and if that company stock has appreciated quite substantially. The reason you would do this is in general, if you have a 401k balance, let's assume it's all pre-tax for a second. Well, when you retire, you roll that over to an IRA and anything that you pull out of that, it gets taxed at ordinary income rates. The benefit of net unrealized appreciation is if you've purchased company stock, you can pull that company stock out when you retire, you just distribute it. The cost basis, so what you contributed, what you purchased in company stock, That gets taxed at ordinary income rates, just like anything else in your 401k or IRA would when it comes out. But any of the gains on the company stock, those would be taxed at capital gain rates, long-term capital gain rates, which of course have a much lower or a better just tax treatment. You're not going to be taxed as much on capital gains as you are on ordinary income. I know that can seem like a confusing concept, so let's use an example. Let's assume that I have a 401k And I've been contributing to my 401k and my company stock is an option that I can purchase in my 401k. Now, in my case, of course, Root Financial is a private company, so I couldn't actually do this. But if I worked for, let's say, an ExxonMobil and over the years with ExxonMobil, I have contributed or I have purchased $50,000 of ExxonMobil stock. But now that stock is worth $500,000. So when we look at this, I have $500,000 of ExxonMobil stock. Let's also assume I have $500,000 of just mutual funds inside of my 401k for a total value of a million dollars. Well, when I go to retire, if I wanted to implement a net unrealized appreciation strategy, what I would do is this. I would distribute the stock that's worth $500,000 to a separate brokerage account. I would pay $50,000 as ordinary income. So the cost basis, what I purchased the ExxonMobil stock for, $50,000, that would be subject to ordinary income taxes. 
the $450,000 of gains, that would be taxed at a lower rate. It would be taxed at capital gain rates, which are lower than ordinary income. So that's the benefit of doing it. And then the remaining $500,000 I have in the account in mutual funds, that would then roll over, say, to a traditional IRA as one option. So that continues to be deferred. That rolls into an IRA, but it's a way of pulling the stock out. And if you have substantial gains, you can pay taxes at a lower rate by accessing that at capital gain rates, as opposed to if I had rolled that full $500,000 into an IRA, that stock into an IRA, Well, now anything I pull out of there is subject to ordinary income taxes as opposed to capital gain taxes. So lots of other details on net unrealized appreciation. I'm just barely skimming the surface. Make sure you talk to your CPA, talk to your financial advisor before you implement a strategy like this. And also ask yourself or see how does a net unrealized appreciation strategy fit into your overall strategy? Even if there are gains on company stock inside of your 401k, Sometimes it's still best to roll over the 401k into an IRA to continue receiving the benefits of tax deferral, but it depends upon your situation. So lots of planning should go into that, but that should be one consideration, especially Keith, as you're mentioning, I know you said company stock is down 40% right now, but what's the total gain on company stock, if any? If there is a substantial gain, then you want to at least consider net unrealized appreciation as an option for when you pull funds out of your 401k. And also, just as a quick side note on that, this only applies to company stock. So if you purchased a mutual fund 20 years ago and it's had incredible growth and it's got a lot of gains on it, well, you can't apply the same strategy. It's only with company stock that's applicable to that. The final then consideration is when you're looking to see, should you keep your money in a 401k, should you roll it to an IRA, is your age. And it's your age because you have different ages at which you can access funds in your 401k versus your IRA without paying a penalty. If you want to access funds from a traditional IRA, with the exception of a 72T distribution, you can only do so after 59 and a half. If you pull funds out before then, again with a few exceptions, you're paying a 10% penalty on any funds you pull out. Well, with a 401k, if you retire from a company in the year that you turn 55 or later, then you can pull funds from the 401k penalty-free, which saves you that 10%. So as we're looking at this, Keith, it probably doesn't matter for you. You're mentioning that you're going to retire at age 60. So at that point, you could pull funds from a 401k or an IRA without any 10% penalty. But someone who's listening to this that's maybe 56 or 57 or 58, and they want to immediately begin to access funds from their 401k, Well, that would be a reason not to roll it over to an IRA, or at least to leave some portion of your 401k balance in your 401k and maybe roll the remainder to an IRA because you can actually access the funds. You can tap into the funds from your 401k without paying that 10% penalty. You'll still pay federal taxes. You'll still pay state taxes if you're in a state that has state taxes, but you'll avoid that 10% penalty. So that is it for these considerations. Keith, I appreciate the question here. I know that it seems like a simple thing. Do I keep my 401k where it is? Do I roll it to an IRA? But there are a lot of considerations. So make sure you're doing the analysis. As I mentioned, for most people, the 401k is our largest asset. So it's something you don't want to get wrong. Make sure you're looking at this so that you can make the right decision for yourself. So that is it for today's episode. As always, I appreciate you tuning in and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're looking to work with a financial advisor that cares deeply about helping you get the most out of life with your money, head over to our website at rootfinancialpartners.com and click start here. 
one of our advisors would love the opportunity to speak with you. You can also find the show notes for today's episode on our website, along with other great content that will help you to create a wonderful retirement. And finally, if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer in a future episode, then from our website, click on the Learn tab. Scroll down just a bit on that page and then click Submit a Question to submit a question that I will answer in a future episode. Again, that can all be found at rootfinancialpartners.com. Thanks as always for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.